Hi, I'm Mike, lead pastor at The Ridge, and this is our weekly podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our desire is for you to grow in relationship with God, connect with others, and to experience God's purpose for life by adding value to the life of another. I hope that this message will build your faith and encourage you as we seek to grow together in God's Word. Enjoy today's message. All right, so... Uh, last couple sermons I gave, uh, I overviewed a couple books of the Bible. I think one of them was Hebrews, the other was Jonah, and that was kind of fun to start at the beginning with verse one, and then just kind of give an overview of everything that happens until we land at the end of the book. And sometimes we're always taking little chunks out that we never really see what the whole letter is about. So it was kind of fun to do that, and I got some good feedback from some of you guys saying you thought it was some of the best sermons I ever gave uh, doing it that way. So, of course, I'm going to do a quick 180 and do it entirely different. So instead of starting from the beginning and going to the end and kind of getting an overview, we're going to stop and we're going to look at, at one scripture, not even a story, a passage, but just a couple verses. And we're going to stop and we're just going to look. And when we read it, we're going to think we know, yeah, yeah, we know this, but we're going to stop anyway and continue to stay on this one little verse, two little verses, and just to make sure we fully understand what God is saying to us so we don't miss it, so we can take this idea that he's giving us out into the world as we leave here. Um, the passage, the, the verses we're going to key in on are probably known to you once I read them. Some of you might even have it kind of in your top favorite verse list. This actually is my wife's number one most favorite verse. It is... Drum roll, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding, but seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So when I read this one, one of the things that stands out to me that I think is important is this idea of trust. Now, for me, trust is when I don't know how something's going to turn out, but I think it's going to turn out that way, but I don't know for sure. I think if any of us know for sure how something is going to turn out, trust isn't involved. That becomes just facts and knowledge at that point. So this idea that something might happen, we're not sure how it's going to land. We're not sure how it's going to end, but we think we know how it's going to end. And, and we hope that's how it's going to end, but we don't know for sure if that's how it's going to end. That involves trust. For instance, a couple months ago, I had to trust somebody. We were on a men's boundary waters trip. So we had headed up to northern Minnesota on the border of uh, Minnesota and Canada. And when you're on a boundary waters trip, you take all your stuff in with you. There's a lot of camping, a lot of canoeing. And one of the things we have to do is we have to move from one lake to another lake. We have to move everything that's with us, canoes included, from that lake to the other lake. So at one point on our trip, we're on a lake and we're canoeing from one side to the other side of the lake. And when we get to the other side of the lake, we have to get everything out. We pull the canoe out, we pull our backpacks out, and then we have to haul everything across land over to the next lake we're going to. 
At some point in my trip, this is happening, and we've we've hit this lake, we've hit the edge, we're on the shore, guys have grabbed up all their gear, and they're, and they're starting to take it across land to the other lake, and I look back, and my son is with me on this trip, and I look back, and there's still a canoe and three backpacks still there. And the backpacks aren't the little ones that you see people taking to school. These are like big bags. At one point, the food backpack weighed 70 pounds. These are big bags. And, and when I look back, he's, uh, there's a canoe and, and three, three of these big bags. He says, Dad, don't worry, I got them. Go ahead. Trust me, I got them. And I have my bag on and I look back and, man, a canoe and three bags? Yeah, I trust you, buddy. You can do it. Because my boy, he's big and strong. Played college football, defensive line, would throw offensive linemen around. I've seen what he can do. And so when I look back and he says, Dad, trust me, I got it. I trust you. He's got it. But that was kind of an easy trust, though. There really wasn't a lot of trust in there, because like I said, I've seen what he can do. I knew he could get it. There was really not a lot of trust. But let's say the story played, let's say the story was a little different. Let's say I was on this trip, and I'm going down the path, I got my bag on, and everyone's ahead of me, and I look back, and my partner is Pastor Mike, with the canoe and the three big backpacks. I don't know why you're laughing. I know why you're laughing. We've all seen Pastor Mike. Um, but maybe he's super strong. Maybe he is. I just don't know because I've never been in a situation where I've seen him use his super strength. So when I look back and there's three big backpacks and it's my buddy Mike and the canoe and he says, Doug, trust me, I got this. Uh, maybe if I was to go back and help him because... I don't think he has it, but I tell him, dude, I trust you. Yeah, I trust you. But here, let me help you with this. I don't really trust him, right? Trust is shown through our actions. We can say we trust somebody. We can say we trust God, but are we going to prove it with our actions? Let's actually see trust in action right now. If you've ever been to a corporate leadership training or some kind of a seminar along those lines, we've all seen the trust fall. So we're going to actually do a trust fall now. I just need someone to help me out. So do I have a volunteer? I got somebody right over here, I think. Yep. Okay, cool. We got somebody in the front row. Come on up. Nice. You're going to see things you've never seen at church before. All right. Round of applause for our assistant. What's your name? My name is Willow. This is Willow. Do you have a last name? Applegate. Applegate? What a coincidence. This is my daughter, everybody. Willow Applegate. Um Okay, this is perfect because I'm her dad. God is our dad. This will all play out perfectly. So we're going to do a quick, easy trust fall here. This is one of those, again, we've all seen before. She's going to stand super still, super stiff. She's not going to put her foot back or her arms back to catch herself. She's going to trust that I'm going to catch her. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to fall back so your arms are out. You're going to stay nice and stiff. You're going to trust me on the count of three. One, two, three. Nice. Excellent. All right, well done. Okay. But that was easy. Like, that's like looking back at my son carrying all that weight. Like, like I know he can do it. We've done this kind of stuff before. She knows I can catch her. I've been catching her her whole life as she stumbles and falls and learns how to walk and all that kind of stuff. Not a lot of trust involved in her part. So we're going to ramp this up a little bit. And we're going to see what kind of trust my daughter actually does have in me. And lucky for me, I just happen to have a stepladder over here. So we're going to put her up a little higher off the ground. Make it a little bit tougher for her. 
little tougher for me if you want to head on up. And go ahead and go one more. I got you. I got you. Don't worry. Go ahead and put this blindfold on so you can't see what's going on. All right. Excellent. Okay. Now, she's going to trust me. She's going to fall, and I'm going to catch her. Right? You're going to trust me, right? Okay. All right. Okay. So let's do this the same way. But this time, instead of putting your arms out when you fall, put them over your shoulders. Just easier for me to catch you that way. So we're going to do the same thing on the count of three. Three, two, one, fall. Okay. I need you to fall. Okay. I got you. Trust me. Right? I'm talking about trust. So let's show your dad some trust. All right. Three, two, one, fall. Okay. All right. I understand. You're up high. Now, we've never done it on the ladder before. So this, she really does have to trust me. But she doesn't know that I'm taking care of her. You can come on down. You can take your blindfold off if you want. Sometimes, yeah, thanks anyway. Great. (laughs) Totally ruined my whole talk, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) But this is real life, though, because sometimes God is going to ask us to do things that just seem like wrong. Like, how's that going to work? How's dad going to catch me up there and not let me crash into the floor? She doesn't see what I was doing behind the scenes. She still, we did this first service, but she still doesn't know what happened behind the scenes. God is doing that too with us sometimes. When he asks us, trust him, do it my way, be obedient, follow my example, go where I want you to go, and trust me, I'm going to work everything out along the way. Sometimes we still don't trust because our mind is telling us, "Ah, it doesn't make sense. And it gets in the way. Now, She's still my daughter. I still totally love her. I love you. <laughs> even though she didn't trust me in that moment. And that'll happen with us. I'm sure we can think of times already, and maybe even times right now we're living through where we're not trusting him. But just remember, God, he's our loving father. He always loves us. He doesn't stop loving us just because we don't trust him. And he will probably very soon give you another chance to trust him again. And the point of this sermon today is I'm hoping that I, uh, the Holy Spirit will encourage you in such a way that you'll be willing to fall into your dad's arms when it doesn't make sense. So one more round of applause for my daughter. Thank you very much. I'll tell you later what you didn't see that everybody else saw, so you'll understand what I was talking about. Let's read that verse one more time. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. But seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. It gets hard, though. We're going to be talking about why it's so hard. It's hard because our mind is telling us one thing, and God is telling us something else. It's also hard because our heart sometimes tells us one thing, and God tells us something else. Sometimes our heart is telling us, no, do it do it this way. It feels right. It feels so good. It makes sense. And our heart is telling us that. But our heart can't always be trusted. Let's jump to Jeremiah 17, 9. And Jeremiah says this, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things on this entire planet. 
I added that second part there for emphasis. It's desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? The author doesn't even know how bad the heart is. He's like, I just know it's really bad, worse than anything else. Totally deceitful. Can't be trusted. Okay, quick semantics here. Because in the Proverbs verse, it says, trust God with all your heart. Let's think of that as all of our strength. With all your strength, hold on to that trust you have for God. And now this verse, this Jeremiah verse is saying the heart can't be trusted. It's that emotional thing. We're just, oh man, it doesn't feel, God doesn't want us to do that. It doesn't feel right. It feels better to do it this way. It feels better for me to do it this way. This feels like the way we should do it. And our emotions get, get caught up in there. And sometimes our emotions, our heart take us in a place away from where God wants us to go. So our minds and our heart are going to fight against what God wants us to do. And this is a problem that has plagued man forever. Paul, one of the best examples of somebody who would trust God with his life and the decisions that he makes, Paul even has these problems. He's got a big chunk of it right in the middle of Romans. We're going to jump there now. It's Romans 7, verse 15. He says this, just point blank. He says, I don't really understand myself because I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. So he's saying, I know what to do. I even want to do it. Like, like me, even personally myself, I love God. I love Jesus. I love his commands. I'm in that same boat. I want to do those things, but sometimes I don't. He reiterates this fact in verse 19. And then he says, I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. He's got this fight, this struggle in him, this battle between his mind and his heart and what God wants him to do. He's figured this about himself. In verse 21, he says this, he says, I've discovered this basic principle in life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. So he has himself, Paul, this awesome example of what it means to follow Jesus. He even has this problem of not doing what's right and not being obedient to God, but instead doing what's wrong, doing what he wants to do, picking the selfish road. Man, that is a tough problem to have. That is a tough struggle that we have. Because our minds and our hearts can be super convincing sometimes. I always like when I'm looking at stuff like this and I'm trying to understand what God is telling me. I love it when I can see examples, good or bad, of people in the Bible to see how they handled certain situations. So one person comes to mind when I'm thinking about this idea of the struggle of trying to trust God, but also having your mind or your heart pull you in a different direction. These stories, I got a couple of stories I'm going to tell you. Now, they're scriptural stories. They're biblical. But at the same time, we're going to also guess on what this person or these people are thinking. So we're going to try and get into their heads. The Bible doesn't tell us what they're thinking. But I think that if we use our common sense that what I say is going to be like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. That You're not taking it too far, Doug. So, so here's the person I'm thinking of, Mary. Mary, the wife of Joseph and, and the mother of Jesus. At one point in time, an angel comes to her and says, Mary, I've got a great opportunity for you. God would love it if you would have his son. 
and raise his son. At that moment, Mary has a choice to make. The angel doesn't say you are having. He asks, would you be willing to do this for your God? And we know what she says because we've learned that Jesus's mother's name is Mary and it's not Lisa or Tammy. But before she says yes, is it possible that some of these thoughts might have gone through her head? She's thinking to herself and living in a very conservative Jewish Old Testament town. She thinks to herself, okay, I'm not married yet. I'm engaged to Joseph, but we're not married. We haven't slept together. And so you're asking me to be pregnant before I'm married. If that happens, my family might disown me. The town might shun me and ostracize me and turn their backs on me. Everyone's going to think that I've cheated on my husband to be. My husband to be is going to think that I've been unfaithful to him because I'm pregnant and he obviously hasn't slept with me. He knows that. And worst case, I could die because in my culture, as Mary, living in Old Testament times, if a woman gets pregnant before she's married, she has sex before she's married, the town can stone her to death and kill her. So Mary has this opportunity. God says, hey, trust me, have my kid. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. And she's thinking in her head, the town's going to turn their back on me. My husband's going to hate me. I could, I could maybe die. God, my heart's not into this. God, in my mind, this doesn't make sense. Why would I say yes to that? Right? Like that, she's making good arguments to say no. She though, somehow, I don't know how, but has the fortitude, the strength of heart to say yes and to let God work behind the scenes. She doesn't know this yet, but God is going to provide her a husband that is willing to stand with her. Provide her a husband that's going to say, Mary, I love you, even though you're pregnant before we got married. Mary, I'm going to love you and stand by you, even though you're telling me this story that sounds absolutely ridiculous, that a ghost got you pregnant, but I'm still willing to stand by you. I'm willing to help raise this kid as my own. I'm willing to stand by you to make sure nobody in town tries to stone you to death. Mary doesn't know that that's going to be Joseph's answer and response to her, but God is working behind the scenes so that he can catch Mary and make it safe for her. Mary doesn't know that in a couple of years, wise men are going to show up with a lot of wealth that they're going to give to her and Jesus and her husband, and they're going to be able to move to Egypt to continue to live safely. She doesn't know any of what God is doing behind the scenes, but she's willing to say yes and to fully trust him. Wow. Are there any decisions in your life that in your head, you're thinking, I got to do it this way even though you know God is wanting you to do it a different way. Mary can do it. Can you? I think you can. We're going to get to a, another story on, on how to do it because it can be very scary. But I want to I share another story too. This is going back into the Old Testament, way into the Old Testament. We're going back to Abraham and Sarah. 
And so Abraham was the first Jewish guy. He's the guy who started the country of Israel. And at one point in time, God comes to him. And this time it's not a choice. The angel comes to Abraham and his wife, Sarah, and says, you guys are going to have a baby and you guys are going to start a nation. And I think about that for a moment. Sometimes I have trouble gathering 10 people to start to work on a project for me. And he's going to start a nation of people. And God says, you're going to have a kid. And from that kid, I'm going to build a whole country. And Abraham and Sarah think to themselves, that's ridiculous because we're 80 plus years old. We've been married for 60 years. We haven't had a kid yet. It's not going to happen, God. I'm glad you want to build a nation through me, but come on. (laughs) I am old. My wife is old. We're not going to be able to have a kid. God says, trust me. Abraham says, no, that doesn't make sense but I do have an idea. And Abraham goes to Sarah and says, Sarah, okay, maybe if if you're the one who's barren and you can't have kids, maybe I can still have kids. So maybe I could sleep with your slave woman. And then if we have a kid, we can adopt that kid into our family. And maybe that's how we start this country that God says we're going to start. Because that makes a little bit more sense. Because Sarah, me and you, it's not working. We've been trying for 60 years. This isn't working. We're not having a kid. So my mind says, Let's come up with another idea. Let's sleep with this other lady. And he does. And he does have another son, Ishmael. And they bring Ishmael into the family. So now in Abraham and Sarah's mind, they're thinking, okay, this plan is working because it makes sense to us now. Not realizing God has another plan. God said, no, trust me. You and Sarah are going to actually have a baby, Abraham. You just got to wait. You got to trust me. And eventually they do. They have a son named Isaac. And so now Abraham has two sons. His one with Sarah... Isaac and his one with Ishmael and the son Ishmael. Well, he gets kicked out of the family. Once Isaac shows up, Ishmael gets kicked out. Him and his mom got to leave and Abraham boots him. And all the descendants from Ishmael are the Arab nations of today's Middle East. You can track it through their lineage. It's true. All of the Jewish people, And the country of Israel tracked their lineage through Isaac. And to this day, they are still fighting each other. So here's Abraham in this moment, him and Sarah. Okay, we can trust God with the plan he tells us. Or because it doesn't make sense in our minds, we can come up with our own plan. And they do. And we see where that has landed us today. Because Abraham and Sarah fought They had a better plan. They leaned on their own understanding instead of trusting God. I also love seeing real life examples, current day examples of people who are leaning into God's promises. And something that popped into my head as I was putting this sermon together were a few couples that I've seen recently and how they're handling their um, engagement and their marriage. One couple I know is is recently got engaged and so they're waiting until they're married to move in together. There's another two couples that I know that kind of went through the same thing just recently and decided not to move in together and become husband and wife until they were married. But they had to fight their own heart and their own mind in making that decision because they had to fight the idea that, hey, you know what? Before we're married, if we move in together, we can cut our rent in half because basically we're not paying for two places. We can just pay for one place, one place and that is fiscally responsible. And it is. That's the smart money move. 
They had to fight against that idea. They had to fight against the idea that they might say to each other, you know what, we love each other. We really do. And what's more important than love? We're married in our hearts. So let's just move in together. Or they could say, hey, it'd be better that we move in together now and we practice this to see if we really are compatible. Because if we just wait and and, and we jump into marriage before we try this out and then marriage doesn't work, then we might have to go through a divorce. And why would we want to go through that? So let's just move in together and let's just try it out to make sure it's going to work. Or maybe they're even engaged already and they're just three months from being married and they're thinking, why not just move in together? Might as well. We're going to be married just in a few months. But instead... They fought against those ideas that were in their head. They fought against those ideas that were in their heart. And they waited, trusting that if they do it the way God wants them to do it, that there's going to be some kind of a payoff. There's going to be some kind of a blessing. There's going to be something that's happening behind the scenes that they can't see. And honestly, I can't see it either. I I don't know exactly what happens, but I do know that if we follow God's will, I've seen it long enough in life, that if we follow his will, he will provide and he'll do things in a way that we just can't understand. And so my hope is that for these young couples that have waited to move in together before they got married and then moved in and became husband and wife after their marriage, that God is going to strengthen their marriage in a way and bind them together in a way that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And they are trusting in God that exact same way, fighting against the thoughts in their own head and their own heart and instead saying, God, I trust you, please catch us. Let's read that verse one more time. Proverbs 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, all your strength. Do not depend on your own understanding, but instead seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. This idea that there's this battle in us, right? This battle of what our mind and our heart says versus what God says. And we're constantly fighting that fight. It's just like in the cartoons where you get that little angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder. And they're arguing back and forth. And which one are you going to listen to? I don't know which one to listen to. They're both making really good arguments. That's scriptural. Like that is taking place inside of us. That is real. Right in that section where Paul is talking about, man, I do what I don't want to do. And I don't do what I do want to do. And... He says this in Romans 7, 23, right in the middle of all that, he says, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. So he says, there's this other power that's in me that's at war. I'm I'm fighting against it. I want to do what's right, but there's this other thing inside of me that's pulling me to do what's wrong. That's making arguments on why I should do it my own way. Why I should lean on my own understanding. Why I should follow my heart. And he says, there is something inside of us. And I love it when I read something about scripture and then I see that truth somewhere else, not associated with scripture. Because to me, it just lets me know that God's truth is everywhere. And this is where I see that idea. A long time ago, I read a story about a journalist who was doing a story on a Indian chief from a Native American tribe. And this interview was happening back in like 1910 or something like that, 1920. He was like one of the last legitimate like Indian chiefs of, of, of that day. And the journalist is asking him about his life. And at one point, the chief says this, and it, it's really cool. When he talks about how he's going through life and how he's making decisions and how to do good or, or, or to do bad, he says, there are two wolves inside of me. There's one wolf that wants me to do what's bad and to do what's evil. 
and he's fighting against another wolf that wants me to do good. So here's this scriptural idea that yes, there's these things in us, good and bad, that are battling for us to do either good or bad. And I love it because the journalist says this. He says, well, if you got a wolf that wants you to do bad and you have a wolf that wants you to do good and they're battling inside of you, which wolf wins? And with wisdom, the chief says, oh, the wolf that I feed the most will win. And I love it because that's scriptural too. Right in the middle of everything that Paul is saying, he also says this in chapter 8, verses 5 through 6. He says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature will think about sinful things. So if you're thinking about sinful things, you're going to be dominated and controlled by that bad wolf. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit will think about things that please the Spirit. So if we're thinking about things that please the Spirit, that good wolf, the Holy Spirit, is going to win out. Letting your sinful nature control your mind is going to lead to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind is going to lead to life and peace. So this is great, and I love being able to do this for you because sometimes we're posed with, with these biblical questions, and ah, how do we answer this? How do we get through this? Here's the answer. Feed the wolf that you want to win. So if you want your mind and your heart to win and you want to do things the world's way, then make sure you're feeding your stuff, yourself with things that go against God by the music you listen to, the TV shows that you watch, the movies you watch, the politicians that influence you, the influencers that influence you. If these people are not following God, if these things are not God honoring, then that is what you're, is going to be controlling your mind. And if that is what is controlling your mind, it's going to lead to death. It's going to lead to those choices that are going to be easier to make because your mind and your heart makes sense, and you're not going to be able to trust God. It's going to be hard to trust God. But if we're filling our minds with the things that please the Spirit, so the things I'm thinking about are, okay, what does Scripture say? What does God say to me when I pray to Him? I'm thinking about how I'm spending my time with other Christians in the body to help build me up. I'm thinking about how I can be like Jesus to my family and my friends and even my enemies, if these are the things you're thinking about, those are going to please the Holy Spirit. And if that's what you're thinking about, and that's pleasing the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is now inside you, quote, that wolf of good is inside of you, and you're feeding him, and he's getting stronger, I venture to say that that's the power we need to be able to trust God, to fall off that ladder, to make that choice in life that seems really hard, that doesn't make sense, but we can have the strength we need if we're feeding the Holy Spirit. The more we trust God, the more we can trust God. The more you put Him in a situation where He can show Himself trustworthy, then it's easier to trust Him. Going way back to the Boundary Water story, when I look back and I saw my son back there with the canoe and the three big backpacks, I knew I could trust Him because we'd been in those situations before. I have seen him use his strength before. It wasn't new to me. I'd seen it. I, I'd seen him show up. So when he says, Dad, trust me, I got this. Yes, you do, son. Yes, you do. And I wonder, I think it's the same thing with God. The more we trust him, the more we see him show up, the more we get to see what he does behind the scenes after the fact, 
the more we can continue to trust him. And just think about the witness that we could all be as a group right here, everybody here and everybody watching online, that when you leave today, you make decisions that lean into trusting God, even if they don't make sense to you or your friends or your boss or your employees. But instead of leaning into what they say and what our what my mind and my head says. Instead, let's show those people what it looks like to trust God and to be able to share with them those times that we do and then to be able to share with them those times where God shows up and we had no idea how he was going to show up. And if we all go out and do that, man, think of the stories that people are going to see and the stories that we can tell. So we've read it a few times, but let me leave it with you one more time. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and all your strength. Do not depend on your own understanding, but seek his will in everything that you do, and he will show you which path to take. Jake, take it away. Thanks for joining us today and listening to our weekly podcast. My name is Will Heron. I'm the director of discipleship here at The Ridge. If you would like to dig a little deeper into what we've been talking about today, uh, be sure to check out Beyond the Sermon. This is a weekly devotional that goes out after second service on Sunday. There you'll find the scripture that we've been looking at, some questions for you to to dive into. But then there's also a discussion uh, that I have with whoever is teaching that Sunday, and we just dive deeper into different themes and topics from the sermon. If you've enjoyed our podcast, feel free to share it with your friends and also jump on our website, ridgelife.org, to get more connected here at the Ridge.